Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Creasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. Uh, it's another week of American Tennis, and those of you who listen live, I apologize, I'm an hour late today. There's too many moving parts, and you know how it goes. But uh, those of you who joined us, thank you very much. And last week I said on June 2nd, 2013 was our first program. If, if that's unbelievable. So uh, it has been already, dang, no, it's 2012, 2012. So that is nine years, and we're starting our 10th year. And uh, this is American Tennis on the – Yellow Ball Network, and Yellow Ball Network is run by J.P. Weber, and uh, we're very fortunate today we have Coach Weber on the program. And uh, I, last week we had Pete Bauer on the program, and Pete is, uh, if you want a great program with uh, your parents especially, the, with someone who's had three youngsters, he's raised three youngsters, and two of them played major college tennis in a Power Five conference. Last week's program was tremendous because he had great insights and he knows what was going on. And and um, we all have a lot of concerns, not just for tennis, but for our youngsters and exactly what's going on there. Uh, today's program. I have maybe one of the experts of the whole United States in what's going on with junior tennis just because of his involvement. And uh, I've got J.P. on the line, but uh, Coach J.P., welcome, and thanks for taking time, your busy schedule, to come on the program. You're there, right? Coach, how you doing? Good, good. Me? Thanks, man. I know you, I do. You, I know you're at a tournament. You're at a big tournament with your son and you've taken time out to listen and or to come on the program but i want to set the table a little bit with the people just to say that you know coach weber has coached at five five power five conferences teams during his ten years he's also been a head collegiate coach at two others and he has pretty much done it all when it comes to training players and he runs a uh, great, great training center now, and uh, I keep up very closely with his work because he's got a youngster coming up through the ranks. Uh, and uh, I know you're, you're between matches right now, so I'm glad we're able to, to grab you. But I, I'd like to get started right away because our program will be a little bit short today, only be 45 minutes. We can go over a little bit, but I wanted to read this real quick I said you know how can we make a difference when we are only really making points you know can we make make can making a point really make a difference uh, this platform speaks is, is all it's always 
A platform to speak has always been earned by rites of passage and considerable hard work. Technology has now allowed everyone to have a soapbox. How can we really make a difference, especially when there is no bottom-up movement anymore in tennis? Uh, recently you made a uh, point to me that we don't make a difference. Everything is being done top-down in junior tennis. Everything's being top-done by bureaucrats. Computers and technology, as much as we use it for our advantage, has made a situation where it's made it very easy for bureaucrats to dictate everything from the top down. So we've lost tournaments of heritage. We've lost our ground forces. USTA preached for years that it was the grassroots and we were going to nurture the grassroots and we needed a freeway and a highway, not just a particular pathway. Now they're dictating to us nonstop. I'd like to shift to you now if we could and and just if you could give people an idea of what is going on what is different with junior tennis now you have a tremendous understanding everything from what was happening out west with tournaments like the copper bowl and then the easter bowl and and orange bowl and these tournaments in uh, the south like the cracker land and the pepsi 16 all these tournaments, maybe even Kalamazoo is under, is, is under danger right now by this bureaucracy. But could you explain sort of to people out there how tournaments are, what, what's going on with this structure? Because I've got a daughter who plays tennis. I don't even know how to sign her up. And I'm sure that other parents are feeling the same way. Could you give us an overview of what's going on, and then we can go from there, Coach? Well, again, it's amazing, you know. We started this, this these radio show that it's sort of obsolete now, a little bit. But you kept at it. You you, you struggle, so I'm amazed that you uh, are keeping keeping at it. You mentioned, hey, you know, you mentioned all my credentials there. When are you going to get me in the Hall of Fame? I want the College Hall. What are you gonna do well, we got Dr. Tim Russell. Who got in? He's a he. He was he was on a committee, on a college committee, and said, oh, because of his work on a college committee. Now, look, I, was I agree. Coach. I agree, Coach. How many? How many? Like, probably years. How, how many days do you think that you coach college tennis? Twenty fifteen thousand. You think you did? So what do you we have me? we've been putting administrators in. I agree, we're putting administrators in the Hall of Fame, and we don't even acknowledge the ground troops. So you've been in the ground troops, you know. So I, I look, I'm sorry, my bad, but I will nominate you again. You deserve to be in the National Collegiate Hall, Hall of Fame. You really do. Well, let me let me let me let me say something else. I know your daughter. I've seen your daughter play. Everybody should know that I, I, I'll go through Charleston. I'll see Coach Greasy. I'll stop and see his daughter. He talks to my son a great deal. He, you know, Coach, you get a lot of grief from different sides on different things. Sometimes you're one of the most successful college coaches ever. People kind of, you know, they nip at your heels. You, if, you, if you have never seen the, there's a movie with Christopher Walken in there, and he gives the, it's called the Lion Speech. And you sort of remind me of the lion in that speech. If you haven't seen it, Coach, you've got to see it. But uh, your daughter, um, and, and, and first, and let me, let me back up this is what I was gonna, the point I was going to make. I think that one of the best things that you could do, you've already written numerous books, one of the best things that you could do would be to write a book for kids, because what you you are so, you are the best coach. I can I show people the text. I show people the care that you take. People have heard some of the things you came and spoke one time at the Little Mo, and it's it's so good to have you listen. I really would like, and we'll get forward now to your daughter. You've got all this passion for tennis and everything else. And I want your daughter to get playing tournaments because, and, and let me tie this together a little bit. You see, it's kind of like you and I have talked about this for many years. 
familiarity breed, breeds contempt among, you know, so you work with somebody for a while and then, you know, you'll start to see the pimples on their face or this, that, or the other thing. Well, you and I have been in tennis for a long time, and we see things. And you got this beautiful daughter. She's got a beautiful game. You've sort of shepherded it. And I give credit. Look, when people that are in tennis can get their kids that are in tennis, involved in tennis, that's a good thing. And that's part of what's wrong. So I want to see your daughter get into tennis. But maybe you and I, we need more of a um, – we need we – need, remember Bill Wright? Bill Wright and Greg Patton. Right. They, they what a great man. Things. Passed away two years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. Yeah, both and Greg Patton and Greg Patton. These guys, you know, they, they, you know, you and I look at things and we can see the wrong. We can see where it's not going right. Maybe those guys said it, but they didn't mention it. They focused, you know, maybe we, maybe you and I focus too much on what's wrong. You know, I, I don't know. But uh, we do see it. You see it. I see it. Um, you, you know, it is very difficult if you don't. My wife still, right now, we're married, my wife and I, and uh, it's legally done, but my wife's not allowed by the USGA to enter my son in any tournament. <laughs> that used to be our kind of shared thing to do. She would well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. They don't allow her to enter them in? Well, Why? They got it all set up now where it's so bifurcated. And Right now, no, I, 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 I think it's a good thing. They've got this thing called safe play together. And, of course, she does it and I do it. I have to do it about ten different times. I do it through the PTA, the PTR. I'm a member of both of those. I think the TIA, I do it, I do it as a coach, an umpire, a referee. I do the safe play thing so many times. Well, one arm doesn't speak to the other arm at the USTA, so it, what ends up happening is only one person can enter your kid into a tournament. And it, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. What? The head of the family. <laughs> Oh, wait, the bureaucracy is unbelievable. So this is what the point I want to make real quick here before we we go off here on a little bit is I, I want to explain to everybody for years the only thing you had to do to enter a tournament is you saw one in the back of maybe the Southern uh, yearbook. And you said, oh, they have this book over this tournament over in Belton. Okay, then you would call the guy up. He said, I got you in. Bring a check when you come. It used to be so easy. I'm going to run a local tournament. Folks, listen to this. I'm going to charge 10 bucks and a can of balls. So uh, I'm running a tournament, a little local place I'm at, JP, and what I'm going to do is have people give 10 bucks, and then the winner moves on with the can of balls. And that's how easy it used to be. So explain to people what you have to do now because you just lost me. I've been in tennis 48 years. And I don't know how to enter my tournament. It, my, you spoke to my daughter about my daughter because I don't know how to enter in a tournament. They, they gave me six different buttons to push when I, when I inquired. I go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You lost me on button number two. Go ahead. Let her, let her do it. She'll be able to do it a lot easier than you or I. My 13-year-old can do it better than me. Okay. Yeah, they'll, they'll I, I understand. <laughs> they, do have a, they do now have a free membership. But let me, Holy you know, so let me, uh, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to say any names, but let me give you an example. So there's a person who's in charge of a whole lot with the USTA in terms of junior tennis. And they we'll say it's a male, a, and he's been there at the USTA since the 80s, right? No, yeah. no, no, I'm talking about something different. I'm Not that guy. I'm going to give you a different – I'm going to give you a different – yesterday, this person was at the tournament. Or, I, I don't know, they, were, they passed by. And I, I stopped the person, and I wanted to introduce him to a person who had emailed this USTA administrator numerous times. She had emailed that administrator probably 10, 20 times. And in all the 10 and 20 times that she had emailed the administrator, that administrator has never responded back to it. Right. And so the lady, the lady, or the, the lady I, I was going to do, this administrator came by, and, and uh, 
I went in there to see where she was uh, busy on the phone, busy on the phone, busy on the phone. And then she disappeared. Now, that's that's what you deal with now. They don't want it. They're they're a little bit like, at this stage, they've really screwed things up for junior tennis and junior tournaments and things of that nature, such that if you've ever been in a Home Depot, you go in a Home Depot, you go down the hardware aisle, and one of the Home Depot guys sees you coming in the orange and they go the other. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Goes the other well, that's kind of what you've got now with your <laughs> kid. They're 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 under the gun themselves. It's a mess, and the transition that they wanted to move toward, and the thought process that they're working toward is, they've nationalized everything. Now, I don't know of anything. I, I can't think of a good example of something that works. When it's been nationalized, you think of the post not office. Not a thing. Post you office. You go to the post office. <laughs> License branch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, go you ahead. All these things. And, and they, so they've nationalized everything. So now they've got levels one through seven, and it's a, it's a difficult process to enter into. Your daughter would have to go down. And if she's young, you're lucky she's 13. She's 13. So she's out of some of the other traps they've set. If they're, you know, right now, I used to run these great lower-level tournaments at Law Park. People loved them. We had up 10s through 18s. Novice, yep. Well, well, they, uh, they've made it now with the USGA tournaments where the 10s is split off. So the 10s are off doing their own thing somewhere else. And the reason they did that was because they just couldn't control it as much as they wanted to. Now they got, they feel like the progressionists that are there with the USGA feel like they've got a, 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 a big hand in controlling things. You know, so, uh, yeah, this yeah. before we go any further, look, I, you know, I'm big into sayings, but the ultimate control is to give up control. Anyone who's in leadership knows that the ultimate control is when you can give up control and delegate to those under you. You know, number one people want number one people working around them. They, this sounds like a lot of number two people who hire number three and fours. You know, so go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, but that is exactly the frustration. I don't know enough about Who's, I really they, I don't have the best relation. You know, I go there and they tolerate me. My son makes up for it. He takes after his mom, so he he competes well. He competes honestly, and he gets far into the tournament, so they see me a lot. But you know, it's 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 a love hate relationship, and that's where I go back to with you. Look, we got a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game. Maybe maybe you and I need more of these these Greg Patton moments or these Bill Wright moments where we don't, we, we, you and I see the, we see things because we've lived so long. We've watched this tennis grow. You know, you, you spoke to something. When you used to go to a tournament, you could find the entry on a bulletin board or you could find it at the back of a thing. And it was a simpler time. But let me tell you, I've had two things that have stuck in my head recently down here in Macon on top of the building. If anybody's ever been to Macon, Georgia, for a long time it was a very famous tournament if you played in the southern section. It was one that was famous. It was, no, you know, kids told and dads told kids about the time they were in Macon and they put an egg on the court and they could fry an egg on the court. It's that hot here in the summer and it's a right, you know, it was sort of a rite of passage. If you could make it through Macon, you were, you know, you were, you, you were, you were a tough player. Well, I'm up on top of the building, and on top of the building, I'm sitting with four other guys who are all all Americans. You know them. I'm not going to mention their names, but you know no, them. No, you can mention them. You mention them because they're great. I think it was Bobby Marinchak, somebody. Bobby um, Andy Abram. Andy Abram. All these guys played. You know, at a different point down there at the John Drew Smith Tennis Center, all of them. You know, Marincheck told of a story about he threw up over in that corner over there and over in this corner over there. Well, those days are gone. It's not the same as it used to be, and it's not the same. It used to be a bigger tournament, not only in stature, 
but you know, in, in importance to the kids to you know go do. And I just got a call from another parent who's down in Mobile. I think they made the kids play. I don't know, maybe two, maybe maybe three of these short matches a day. Then all the kids are hot and sick and throwing up and tired. Well, they're out of shape compared to the right. kids from some time back. So progress is not always good. You know, it's funny you mentioned Drop Shot Pete. I call him Drop Shot Pete. He loves, he, when he and I talk, he, he sings the virtues of the no-ad stuff. The kids today really can't handle the uh, the the rigors of what was before and the way that they've got it set up, the way that the corporate sort of scheme of things is set up with USTA, it doesn't lend itself, you know, to to pushing the limits like it used to. You used to play these things and guys would be laying on the court every last drip of sweat dropping off of them as they left, you know, leaving nothing nothing there except you know, let me let me jump in there real quick, okay? Champions are not made in the boardroom. Champions are not made by the three point five player who happens to be on a committee. No offense to league tennis, but when we have we have three point five player maybe on a committee and they're trying to make decisions for the welfare of little Johnny or little Susie, they don't understand how tough the sport is. And it's reflected because, again, we have nobody getting past the second round at the French Open. Would you remind everyone, I've used a quote quite often, but you were the one who told me, Tim Wilkinson said, why are the two reasons that kids play tournaments? Do they play for points? But what what did Tim Wilkinson say? Could you elaborate on that they just a little bit? Why kids play? They play, they, they play for rivalries and tournaments of merit. Historically, you know, meritorious right. tournaments. So explain yeah, the, the, the tournaments of heritage that they're drying up right now. And, you know, oh, gosh, I, I think it's ludicrous what's going on. I, I Go ahead, go ahead. You're talking about Macon, right? So that was, you know, that was the Southern qualifier, right? It's, it, 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 don't you think it's kind of neat that I could sit up on a roof and see four guys up there that it actually? Oh my gosh, they come back to where their their hair sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. And they're watching their sons, you know, uh, uh, struggle to make it through a ten point match tiebreak. You know, it's not even it's not even close to being the same rigor. So they've lost, the, you know, the tournaments have lost their lost their rigor. We play more tournaments. Kids play more tournaments. I'm not so sure that they play tournaments of, of merit. They they do shoot more and more. And, and look, look, you know, as much as I complain about it, James, I, I I love taking him. We're I'm right now here at Lake Jeanette, Coach. I've got my little camper. We're camped here. We're going to go back. He's got the doubles quarters maybe or something like that coming up next. The last thing, look, the last thing that my son or myself or many of the other kids compete with they don't even. They couldn't care less about the points. These kids, and I tell you, I think it was look the the whole shift. I'll tell you, the whole shift that got us here was that myth that came up a long time ago. They said, well, this kid played, you know, Al Parker or Stephen Enix or somebody. They'd enter a tournament, and I'm not saying these two. I'm just saying that some top kids from back when I was a kid would enter a tournament and win, and they then they'd hide for six months. And so they didn't like that, and they thought that that's you a had myth. A that's that's, that's, that's I, a myth. And the bad myth. ones did that, and the good ones would go out and play and face the music. Yeah. Yeah, because they look the best players. They want to compete. But look, look, if they're coached well and everything, they want to compete. They had somebody like you motivate them. They're going to go through a wall. But here's the thing: these guys back in that day, they probably did play a tournament, and they probably didn't play one for a little bit. You and I both are acquainted with a family that they had to make a tough choice uh, on whether to spend a billion dollars doing tennis tournaments or cut back for a little bit. Well, they cut back. Now that they cut back and he got off the points hamster wheel, 
He's not able to get in certain tournaments. So now he's going to get back on the point champs to wheel maybe this afternoon. Ludicrous. So to anybody listening out there, let me jump in just for a second. What happens, the USTA went to this point system because it was easy for them to tally points in their boardrooms. They didn't have to go and select head-to-head, rivalries, head-to-head wins and losses, those people who went and did better at the bigger tournaments. They do points. They just add up points. So parents will add up the points, and they will – the parents who are a little bit better financed will run around all over the country and try to get points for their kids. You might be a very you might be the top player in the state, but let's say you play basketball in the off season and then spring you come out and you're the state high school champion and you're the best player in the state. Well guess what? You cannot even get into tournaments. Okay, they have made it the bureaucracy from top down has made it to where our best some of our best players do not even get into tournaments. Also the bureaucracy from the top down is not allowing Americans to even play even play college tennis with what's going on, the bureaucracy and some of our people who are in charge are just making very, very bad decisions. So it's really, really frustrating. But I want you to ask again, I want to ask you a question. Your son has won considerable amount of tournaments. Now, I bet if you go back and you say, I say, well, what tournaments did he win? You said, okay, wait a minute, that was one in Rome, Georgia. That was the L3 Blue Group uh, abbreviated scoring event. You're not saying the Crackerland. You're not saying, hey, it was the Pepsi 16. Correct? It used to be real clear. It, you, you the Peach had, State. It used to be the yeah. Peach State. Why do they call it the Peach State now? Why do they call it the Group 4? They still call it that, but they've now put it on a so what they've done is they've assigned, and you can see it if you're if you're into tennis, watching it, which you, where you can really see things evolve, and they evolve the wrong way. And I don't know why they just continue to stick their head in the sand and keep doing it. It's going to happen with junior tennis, adult tennis. Now you used to have these places, and I used to talk to guys like you, or you talked to Abram. Abram just sent me a picture of him playing down in. Greensboro, and then Coach Andy Abram, one of the greatest players from in, in Southern tennis history. Yes, go ahead. Well, they, yeah, Coach, where well, they used to tell me about how all these adult tournaments were played, and they had these beautiful silver cups, and these guys could win these silver cups, and maybe it was a, I don't know. Sometimes they gave out a prize as a keg of beer. I don't know what they did. But my point is this: is that there were certain tournaments that that sort of mattered, and they well now they switched to this point system. So they still have tournaments, you know, for adults. But let's say you're an adult and you're playing one of those tournaments that's worth 100 points. Well, you might get 10 people to enter that one. But the USTA will assign 300 points. If you win it, you get 300 points to this other tournament. Everybody goes to the 300-point one. Nobody goes to all these 100-point ones. Well, in effect, what that starts to have, the sum effect of that, Coach, is this. It sort of kills it from the bottom up. It, the pure, right. it, you end up getting sort of pyramid effect where the bottom of the pyramid is getting eaten away, and all you got left is the top of the crust. So, like, like Belton, can I jump in? Belton, South Carolina, a town of less than twenty thousand people, has been the the center of tennis, the capital of tennis. They have the Hall of Fame of tennis. That whole town revolves around the fact that they had the number one junior tournament and the most important tournament in South Carolina for years and years and years. They've done exactly what you say, Coach Weber, exactly what you said. They have demoted it to where it is an afterthought, and they took the points away. So the top five to eight to ten players in the state that used to to live and die to try to win at Belton, they don't show up. So they've diminished it like that. That's what you're talking about, correct? It, that is that, and they, they've taken control. So now the other thing that's happened is so back then, you know, the tournament directors were were pros. You know, I got a, that picture I told you I got from Andy Abram in the umpire's chair was Jim Haslam. Jim Haslam sort of ran the tournament. Well, he's also umpire, and, and he had on sandals. He had on flip flops, and the umpire's chair was great. And he was playing against, I think Andy showed Andy, I think I was ball boying, and Andy Avery was playing against Mark Dillon 
And there's a big tournament, and everybody showed up in Greensboro. You don't have that anymore because in addition to, you know, assigning their points total, they also control the tournament. So when they control it, it kind of takes the incentive away at the local level to do much. We've had a little bit of a resurgence due to the fact that the, the UTR system will give you a chance to put together a tournament and host it on a different platform than the USGA. But understand this. The the way in which people used to sign up for tournaments, they go to a local they go you'd find your information on tournaments, you'd go to a local park or a bulletin board at a local, you know, tennis center or country club or the back of the tennis magazine. And you would send them a snail mail letter asking them for an entry form. They'd send you an entry form. You had to do all this a month ahead. Then you'd send in your entry, and then after you send in your entry, they'd send you a card back whether or not you got accepted. And then they'd tell you, maybe by phone or something else, they, you know, they'd send a postcard maybe to and tell you your first match, Tom. All that's been you know, modernized. And the USGA controls the delivery of all that. And they, so they control the tournaments. They can control how much you charge. They can control the days that you play, how, the hours that you play. Everything is now controlled, and it's become so sterile that it's 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 really kind of it's kind of eating itself up. I'm, you may be interested in this, Coach. In Southern California, I spoke with Coach Brian yesterday. He tells me that he and some of the other big big timers, a lot of these guys that win in these tournaments, these kids now, their parents played. So you know, there's a kid named Jagger Leach, and I'll let you figure out the parents from that, you know. And I don't mean to – I hope that's okay to bring up the – No, that's – Bob, no, it's all right. Jonathan Leach, uh, Dick Leach's grandson probably. Yes. And the mom <clears throat> mom is a – she won a few Grand Slams, Davenport something. But uh, – but, uh, but, Yeah, so my gosh. Out, that's they're, they're interested, so they've gotten on a committee – and when Wayne gets on the committee, you know, and they talk Wayne Bryan, you're talking about father of the Bryan brothers, right? Okay. They're looking at, you know, how can they, and it comes back to your points, how do you affect change? So if you asked me, if you know, as we've kind of been, you know, kicking rocks around here, you know, just shooting, shooting the bull, you know, you know, stomping our feet, sitting here on the side of the pickup or something like that, thinking about things, they got to get back to basics with tournaments. They've got to, they, in my opinion, if they want tennis to flourish, you, you know, just, just so you know, and I'll, and I'll make this point real quick. Throughout COVID, tennis flourished, but it flourished in spite of the USTA. It flourished in wow. spite of the PTA, and it flourished in spite of, to a degree, the PTR. Not as much as the PTA, but the PTR. These guys went and they hid, they didn't work, and the PTA joined the USTA and this collective pause. Meanwhile, everybody that knew anything was out playing. So tennis grows. So at the local level, tennis grows. That's such a great point. That's such a great point. Nobody speaks of that. During COVID, the golf flourished, tennis flourished. And it it had no help from the USTA, that it had hindrances from the USTA. It had people in the USTA panicking, oh, don't go out and play tennis and get get the virus. Maybe we would be implicated. Holy cow, you're exactly right. There's a situation where when they made that, they they, they went on every place they could and they said, it's time that we take a collective pause from tennis. Municipalities went out. They heard this because it's USDA. They heard this. They heard this, and they said, oh, it's USDA. So they went out and padlocked courts. They removed net courts. They, they took benches away. They, they, they stopped all types of competition everywhere. At that very moment that they did that, in Marietta, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia, that municipality didn't do any of that. It might have been one of the only municipalities, and I just happened to have a park. We held one of the greatest events 
that junior kids will ever remember. We had countries. We did a draft. We had yeah. a, a, a we had a draft commissioner. We had, I mean, it was an online draft. Some kids didn't get picked, and and the kids had to go back and work on it. There, they. I've been asked a thousand times to redo that event. Well, now that USJ is back and, and UTR is back, it, it wouldn't be attended the same way because. People are caught up on the points hamster wheel. But we, I go back to this. Right now, if you get on and you start doing this, it has destroyed local tennis. Local tennis and the lower-level tournaments, the tournaments that I run, the level sixes, they've got seven levels now. I run sixes. And that is played in by 80% of the people that play tournaments. 80 to 90% of the people that in a tournament, play at that level. That's the, If you look at your bell curve, it kind of goes that way. Well, that tournament needs to be important. That level of play needs to be important. So they need to work on that. They're not working on that. They're working on the level ones and, two, you know, they're doing that because it's, you know, it's like the papacy to a degree. Power emanates from the top down at the USTA, and what you have is, you have everybody wanting to cling on to the sexy stuff up at the top. Nobody wants to do the, you know, little grind stuff down at the bottom that doesn't make money in big numbers for them. So they're not interested in those little. Well, there's no pride in it. There's no, well, there's no pride. You are a true servant of the game. And I'm going to speak up because you have maintained fundamentals. The fundamentals we learned as children growing up that you serve other people. Nobody, cares what you know unless they know that you care. The grassroots, the, the, the reason you love the sport. Come on, the reason I'm battling so much and I'm trying to keep this radio program going is because I am so appalled at my sport, our sport. It's the, the great sport of tennis. It's a sport more than it's a game, but it's also a sport. But what they're doing to it, it it's I'm so disgraced by what's happening or not disgraced but i'm so ashamed that the the approach that these people are taking from the top down they don't need to be in we don't need to put these guys you know whether it's ita or usta in the hall of hall of fame we need to put them in the hall of shame is what we need to do they need the hall of blame and what they've done is completely lame <laughs> and, and, I'm, and i am and what 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 you're saying, go go ahead. I want you to go on, but but the point you made that it flourished without the USTA, it flourished when COVID was here. Do you remember the commercial that they tried to come up with? The commercial that went all around, where had this lady saying, "Yes, it, USTA. Here are the guidelines. You're allowed to play with. <laughs> you should play with your own balls." You should you you're allowed to kick a ball, but don't kick someone else's ball. <laughs> and people are just breaking up. And this was supposed to be a serious thing. And people are going, okay, this is how ridiculous, how ridiculous what they did. They tried to put mandate upon mandate to cover their butts. USTA, you were trying to only cover your own butts. You didn't care about the sport of tennis. You did not care about trying to get people going, but but it flourished, and it should have flourished. Golf flourished like crazy, too. Go ahead. Well, I tell you, there was a, there's a park down here in Atlanta, Georgia, that had tennis courts, and it, it's a real high-end park in a real high-end neighborhood, and right next to it, it had a golf course. Well, when the USGA said collective pause and not play any more tennis for a while, the municipality of Atlanta came in and they locked the gates. Well, right next to the tennis courts, you could look over at the golf range, at the driving range, and elbow to elbow were these guys hitting golf balls. And they're, you know, they're 70, 30. <laughs> they were the guys that, that, you know, were at most risk. Look, that's, it happened because it, all this sort of is enabled and happened because of this structure that they got it. The power emanates from the top down. Really, to be honest with you, I've got a lady here in Georgia that, Coach, oh, you'd you just be, I mean, you just have, she is the nicest lady, the most helpful person in all of the USGA is a lady who's overworked. She works every day. And, 
she'll get you answers. She'll do it, but she she's the most helpful person. At the, and she knows people at the local level. The worst help, if you want to try and figure out how to get an answer to something, you get on the phone and you call them at USJ National. Well, let me tell you, I don't know if you know this or not, but the whole new system, Tennis Link, people people used to you know be irritated with Tennis Link. Now they're begging for them to bring Tennis Link back, and that's how you would sign up for the tournaments. Now it's called Serve Tennis. Well, Coach Creasy, Serve Tennis, if you call for help, you ring up in England. You get your help in England because Serve Tennis oh, you're is being run me. out of a, 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 a service called Club Spark out of, I believe, England. They got a few representatives here in the U.S., but those guys are too busy trying to figure out the other mess they make. So what you end up having is if you want to get an answer, you've got to go that way. The national people, they don't want to touch it because they know that it's screwed up. The middle people are sort of stuck. And at the local level, they're just doing all they can to hold on to people that want to play tennis. They're doing their level yeah. best to keep and, people. And, and now, we're getting beat, now we're getting beat by pickleball and, and things. You know, Kenny Thorne, who's a Georgia Tech, I, he told me, so. I, there are words that resonate. Sometimes people say something that's impacting about – Six or seven years ago, I was getting ready to go to this ITA meeting up at Kalamazoo. I was so exhausted, but I was so just, I did, you know, I was almost ready to, to fall on my own sword. I was so tired, but but the point is, I was getting ready to go, and he said, Chuck, are you really going to make a difference? He said, you will make some points, but you got to figure out how to make a difference. Those words resonated with me, and I keep thinking about it all the time. Part of it is I want to keep this radio program going. I want you to stay in the hunt. Everybody out there, Tim Wilkerson, kids don't play for uh, these points. They play for tournaments of heritage, and they play for rivalries. Now, I want to ask you, so let's, how do we make a difference? Because they believe, they believe that enough propaganda and enough forced food on us is going to make us eat. By the time it goes from top to bottom, it does not work. They are not empowering people. It's like our government. They're squashing us with socialism. USTA, you are a socialist organization that is pounding people down and pushing people away. How do we make a difference? What is our platform? My The name of the program is Ken Making a point really make a difference. Everybody gets a soapbox now with the technology out there. People, look, you've got tremendous credentials, tremendous amount of days in tennis. One of the most brilliant tennis minds I know is is you, Coach Weber. I've seen your library of books, all the understanding. You've studied the game. You've done a tremendous job. But we are like squeaks out there, squeaking mice out there compared to the machinery of the USTA or the ITA or or, or so on and so forth. How can we make a difference? I'd like to go there and talk about that if we could. First of all, I think people need to recognize that in many cases the people, the USTA admins, there's really not a whole lot special about them. They, They may have play a little tennis, they may not have. And they may or may not be experts. Most of the time, they're good at at maybe whatever they've been coached at on a corporate level from the STA. So you can't be afraid to speak up and talk to them. you got to do it in a nice way. You can't talk to anybody, you know, too terribly. I, I, and I, I tend to get a little too frustrated. You have more success, you could just be like a, you know, a bead of water just dripping down, you know, and just keep at it. But the other thing I think is this, look, I'd like to see a similar committee formed on the East Coast. You know, the West Coast, these guys do it all the time. They get together and they seem to move the needle over there and they will get a group of parents and people together. And I don't know whether they were invited or not, but why couldn't we have a parents council? Why couldn't we have the Southern Tennis Parents Committee or Council or whatever the hell you want to call it, 
and appoint people to it, meet virtually if you want to meet virtually, meet by committee if you want to meet by committee, and talk about a few things and come up with a common voice or a common answer and present that idea to the USGA. And we're the one of the USGA said, what do you mean you're the council? We're the council. But you get enough people together that mean something and they want to see a change, well, you might be able to affect it. You can't be afraid to tell them what you think. It's going to be hard. I think that, Coach, I, I think that, that in the years past we've talked about, well, let's form another organization or let's do this. I don't think that works. I think you got to work to educate people more. And, you know, right now, I'll tell you, I'll give you a good example, just so you know. They're playing out the third set here at Southerns. Well, they are. Correct. Thing. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> go go the ahead. You're in the main draw. In the back draw, they'll play a 10 myself. But many of the officials and the kids and the parents, they don't have a clue about the rule after the second set. If you split sets, they didn't know whether you had this amount of time or that amount of time. And it's because it's the only tournament just about now in the state of Georgia that's played with a full third. South Carolina won't play a third set. Your kids won't play a third set. And I'm so aggravated. I love tennis. But my daughter, I'm saying, is it worth the money? She's going to be very, very good. She, her, I'm just so proud of her. But is it worth the money? <laughs> that's when I want you to go back and be – like Coach Wright or Greg Patton, and 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 just just be positive and have a great time because it still is a great sport. It's a great, great, great sport, and it it fleshes you out as a human being and lays open your character just about better than any other sport. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, well, we both we're both in love with the sport, and that's why we want to defend it. But you know, there's so many. Uh, Quotes that I use usually I always use use the one you know resistance to tyranny is obedience to God and I'm trying to get you to help me you're the computer guru that you could help me get my my William Wallace quote up it says freedom what will we do without freedom you know what will we do without freedom and folks out there listen tennis is should not be a daggone socialist communist-type situation where there's top-down management. USTA, you're supposed to be a support group. A, a You're not supposed to be just this all-dominant, uh, you know, uh, the, the sun god or something, you know, that, that just controls everything. But, J, but, JP, I'm so afraid they might. What if they try to take Kalamazoo away? What if they do that? They're on, they're on the way to do that, aren't they? Well, it's rumored that, you know, I, I haven't actually heard, I have not actually heard, but I've, I've talked to people on good authority that um, one of their objectives, one of their goals is to uh, one of the guys, the, the guy who would actually make that decision, that's a desire that he has. And whether or not it's true or not, um, that would shock me. I'd be, I'd be shocked. If they did it, I think it'd be one of the dumber things that they could do. But it, I wouldn't put anything past them. The way that they, the way that they think about stuff. All it takes they, is one of the three point one five uh, committee members to uh, say not understand what the history and the heritage is of Kalamazoo, and to take it away from the boys' eighteens and sixteens. Their whole lives, you think a player would rather be number one in the country or win Kalamazoo? I mean, it's is it close? Understand that this is the way they look at things. And they were they were, took a wrecking ball to college tennis, in my opinion. And, and at the same college time, tennis is done. Listen, I love – you know how much I love college tennis. I'll be at 45 years in it. But they have messed it up so bad. The ITA – is I mean I don't know what the acronym would need for for just you guys really messed to, it up. I'm trying to get you back to the mentality. Years ago, it was one of our first. It was probably one of the radio. It's probably one of the first radio shows we did. But we we had we had a deal where Dr. Tim Russell, I believe, was on, and he said 
and I remember this, he specifically said, we, we, we mentioned something to him about tournaments of heritage and things of this nature, and his response was, he'll just make new ones. And at that time... <laughs> yeah, saying, right. That, 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 it, how unsmart but, of a statement is that? Well, well I'll tell you why. Because it's, it's monumentally tough. I'll give you, uh, here's a good example of a place. Uh, uh, you and I know this guy. It's amazing how many people, for the people that are out there listening, if you start going down the list of coaches across the country, if you go through the list of coaches at the USPA, if you go through a, a variety of these things, people that have done stuff, they've all at some point or another crossed paths or worked for or been around Coach Creasy. But Scott Novak in Mobile has worked very hard through the years to create what he's got down there in Mobile, and it's really good, and it really honors the sport. What he does for a tournament is amazing. There's another guy that's trying his hardest over in Cary, North Carolina, Sean Ferreira. He's doing it there. It takes a long time. The history and the community involvement that went into turning Kalamazoo into what it is today, you're not going to be able to repeat it no. in 100 years someplace else. No. So they need, no. To stop. they need to stop with you know the power grab that that would give them, and they need to start focusing on what they should be doing to keep tennis popular and you know bottom up and folks bottom up not top down bottom up excellence breeds participation participation does not breed excellence do not be afraid to stand up and speak out i always use this statement address issues not people if you address issues you can say pretty much anything you want to but there's times when people make a blunder you know, and they're doing something to hurt your sport or to hurt your family or to hurt your neighborhood or to hurt your family. You know, I mean, you, you absolutely just say, no, 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 stop. No, you're not allowed to do that. And we have a First Amendment in the United States that we need to use in the sport of tennis. That is our circle of influence, our circle of concern here. Our circle of concern is big, but there, our influence is in tennis. And so what do people need to do? Do they need to write letters? People don't read letters anymore. Emails, they just click, click. Oh, they're complaining. People are going to complain. Bad people will not listen to complaints because bad people believe everybody in the world would want to be like them if only they knew how. You know, and then bad people are, are just arrogant. They're not going to listen anyway. A good person will will listen. But these people won't even listen. Here's what you need to do. It might not be a bad idea. Create the Parents Tennis Council. Just Parent, the Parents Tennis Parents Council. Parents Tennis Council. Find, yeah, we find, we, we find it's not hard. Look, here's the deal. You and I know darn well, and I can do it with you. We can go to all these tournaments, and I there's rarely a parent. I, I have not, except with the exception of drop shot feet, I have not run across, uh, or not drop shot, no ad Pete. You can probably drop shot him and explain him. But no ad Pete, with the exception of no ad no, Pete. No, I, listen, i got to stick up for him here because he he really wants things done the tough, the hard way. I just don't think he quite understands the at the level. Most people, when they look, look, I thought no ad was an interesting idea for about – 13 months until I saw these players starting to take losses back in 77 that shouldn't have hurt, 78. Then we dumped it. We dumped it. Finally, people said, woo, this player's career was ruined. Woo, that guy was the best player in junior tennis, and he had to take 12 losses. Woo, Stevie Johnson's father said on your radio program, Stevie went undefeated in college tennis for two years. Mr. Johnson, you said, would Stevie have gone undefeated if he had played Noad? He said, no, he would have lost 10 matches a season, and he might not have been the NCAA champion. Remember? I mean, he passed away. But, you know, we've killed careers and everything. But but the point is, is I think that Pete is all far tough, hard tennis. And I got to say that, I think. But but the point is... I gave him the 
I gave the name Noah Pete for a reason, but here's the deal. Look, that's neither here nor there. If you go, my point is this, if you go and talk to parents at these tournaments, the vast majority of them don't want to do no ad. The vast majority of the kids don't want to do no ad. This is being shoved down their throats. We just need to create our own parents' council and issue decisions and opinions. Get people to join the parents' council, right. have a meeting, we'll talk about it, and come up with right. a resolution about no ad. And I guarantee you what would come out of it would be stop the nonsense. Right now the USTA controls all the committees. They control, they control things top down. If they don't want you to talk about some, look, you and I got on a conference call not too long ago. She was a little bit liberal with it, but it'd been a whole lot different, you know, if 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 if, if, if the mic was held by a, by a parent or a coach. It's held by Absolutely. An and they don't let people voice their opinions. But most of the we, time, so we need a parent tennis council. That is, that's a great idea. That would be organized outside of the USTA. We need a parent council, parent PTC. Let's see, how could we, you know, me, my way my mind's working, I'm thinking of a catch there. But that's a great idea. We need it. Parents have skin in the game. But if we go to big tournaments and just say there's a parent tennis council meeting the night before, you might have 10 people at first, but I think if it was interesting enough, you'd have 50 people, then you'd have 100 people there. And I think that uh, people would start speaking up. But we need speakers who understand what they're talking about with abbreviated scoring and just completely destroy. I'm, it's laughable. To see our, it's not laughable, it's sad, but to see our Americans even think they could win a Grand Slam on clay, maybe on, on any other surface too, three out of five sets when you play abbreviated scoring and you play tiebreakers for the third set. How in the world are kids ever going to mentally, look, it, it's always, in, in golf it's always seen, well, why do they, what happens to golfers? Do they get physically tired after four days of a tournament? No, mentally they break down. After 12 holes, an average golfer breaks down. Tennis, it's, it's not just the body that has to be conditioned, but the mind has to be conditioned to be able to do battle after battle. Championships are won by real champions. They should not be won because of no-ad scoring. The scoring system, folks, listen to me out there. The scoring system, if you can manipulate it, don't worry about learning a backhand slice. Don't worry about that kick serve. Don't worry about training at all. If you can manipulate the no-ad scoring, especially on game point, your son, your daughter will be champion. How about that for a commercial? <laughs> it's awful. You may, you it's may awful. be right. I think, I think it's good. Hopefully hopefully, um, maybe something will take root. But, but you don't have to have people put that council together and just issue opinions. Okay, well, let's try to do that. And parents out there listening, listen, parents out there listening, run your own tournaments. I'm running one at the one-court complex I work at. I have one court, one old Rubico or hard-court court, clay. Uh, I'm going to run a tournament there, and guess what? We're going to play full two out of three set matches, and (laughs) we're going to charge ten bucks and bring a can of balls, and guess what? We're not going to hire any referees. We're going to let the kids use, what is it called? The code, the code of conduct that all golfers use. If they ground their own club, they tell on themselves. It's a game of, it's a game of, of, of sportsmanship and honor. But we've got enough time here for one or two last comments. I, I, look, I, I, I love, absolutely love talking to you. Coach, call J.P. Weber at the Laurel Park Tennis Center. Uh, it's a public park in Marietta, Georgia. But call him uh, if you want advice on your youngster, uh, junior tennis. He knows so, so much. I, I so much respect for you for the honesty. He's completely honest, completely transparent to a place where administrators don't like him so much because he's so transparent. He is straightforward, honest, hardworking. He loves the sport of tennis. He's one of the best tennis minds in the country, folks. And and I will I will back you forever, you know, because of that. And people don't understand that we need that kind of people, that kind of person running things that's not afraid to listen to other points of view. And the USTA, let's get your act together. 
you got the last word there, Coach Weber. I appreciate having you on. Well, you got the last words there. Take it away, and when you're done, we will sign off. We're going to go over here, but uh, it's it's up to you. Go ahead. Well, I think I think you. I go back to my original point with you. We need to get uh, you and I need some more of these Bill Wright, Greg Patton moments where we try to stay as positive as we can. We don't let ourselves, don't let them get us down. And uh, I think you're right. Hopefully, if we get together and get the message together and communicate it enough times, at some point they got to they got to hear it. It's going to be hard. It's an uphill battle now with the nationalization and everything. I think it can be done. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We, we have it. to, and, and uh, you know, making a difference starts with every, every one of you. And, and thank you, uh, Coach Weber, for, for making such a difference. And, folks, stand up, speak out, say those things that need to be said, address issues, not people, and it, 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 no one can find fault. Edmund Burke said, all that it takes for evil, evil to prosper. We're talking about evil for our young children who do not get to play real tennis. They're playing arena tennis, and we're taking away the history and the heritage. But all that it takes for that to prosper is for good people to do nothing. Stand up. Speak out. Thank you. You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or losses. Coach Chuck Creasy and say next week on American America. Come